All right, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you. I believe that the Lord has a good word for us this morning, so let's dive in. If you have your Bibles with you, please uh, I invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, and we're going to begin this morning in verse 24. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. And this is the word of the Lord. Listen carefully. It says this. It says, A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman was there who had suffered, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered under the care, suffered greatly, a great deal under the care of many doctors, the text says, and had spent all she had, yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched Jesus' cloak because she thought, if I just touch Jesus' clothes, I will be healed immediately. Her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And so, he looked around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? You see the people pressing against you, his disciples answered. Yet, you still can ask, who touched me? Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at Jesus' feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And so here we have Jesus once again reaching out to a broken and hurting world. He's on the road. And Jesus encounters this woman with a severe bleeding. It's a menstrual kind of irregularity. Twelve years of constant bleeding. And the text says that she consulted many doctors, but none of them knew how to help her. And the text said that she spent all of her resources, all of her money, gone, bankrupt, yet her condition continued to deteriorate. Now, in order for us to fully understand and fully appreciate this story, let me bring you, bring your attention to Leviticus chapter 15. Leviticus chapter 15, um, beginning in verse 25. And so, why don't you turn there also? So it's um, Genesis, Exodus, then Leviticus chapter 15. 
beginning in verse 25. Listen carefully. It says this. It says, When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time, other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. Any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean, as in, as in her bed during the monthly period. And anything she sits on will be unclean, as during her period. Whoever touches them will be unclean. He must wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he will be unclean till evening. Sorry to pick on the woman, but I promise you, Leviticus 15 also picks on the men, so don't worry. It also picks on the men. But here, this passage of Scripture relates. You see, going back to Mark chapter 5, and this woman assuming that she's a good Jewish woman, which most likely she is, she wouldn't be very familiar with Leviticus chapter 15. This is a regulation that she will need to follow. And if she were to not remember, I guarantee you that the people in her community would make sure that she would not forget. Every time she walked in public, the people in the community, I guarantee you, they would have said, Ugh unclean. Day after day in the community, people, ooh, unclean. Week after week, ooh, unclean. Month after month, ooh, unclean. Year after year, ooh, unclean. For 12 long years, unclean. Imagine being in her shoes for a moment. Imagine how you would feel if you were in her shoes. Imagine the humiliation and the embarrassment. She must have felt alone, ashamed, and afraid. Ooh, unclean. She probably felt this little about herself. This woman must have felt like she was junk, rubbish, trash, litter, waste. This woman must have felt like a mistake, a reject, a nobody, a freak, an oddity. This woman must have felt like she was impure, contaminated, infected, dirty, worthless, unclean. This account happened 2,000 years ago. And yet, the insecurities that she experienced is strangely familiar. It seems to be a shared human condition that we are all acquainted with. I shared this list with you about a year ago. It's a study done by doctors Robert and Lisa Firestone. And these are the common lies that people tell themselves throughout the day. You're stupid. You're unattractive. 
You're not like other people. You're a failure. You never get anything right. No one will ever love you. You're fat. You're such a loser. You'll never make friends. You'll never be able to quit drinking, smoking, etc. You'll never accomplish anything. What's the point in even trying? Ever looked in the mirror and told yourself any of these lies? Good. I'm glad you don't, but I do sometimes. But I've got good news. Because this woman's story does not end there. She, you see, she hears about this healing man named Jesus. And so she pushes through the crowd of people. And, and, and being seen in public is terrifying for her. And so she's deathly afraid to greet Jesus. And so instead, she comes up behind Jesus and brushes up against her clothing. And instantly, she is healed of her bleeding. But she remains in the shadows. She remains in hiding. After all, that's how she lived for 12 years. Alone, ashamed, and afraid. And what happens next frightens her. You see, Jesus makes a big deal about asking, Who touched me? Jesus says, Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And the disciples, they make a sarcastic remark. They say, Come on, Jesus. Stop being silly. Look at all of this, these people. They're pressing against us. And you ask, who touched me? Why does Jesus make such a big deal about being touched? After all, and most times in the Gospel of Mark, after a healing, Jesus says, shh, don't tell anyone. And so why this time? Why this time does Jesus ask, who touched me? I have two observations, and my first observation is this. We all grew up with superstitions. Every culture has superstitions. My Chinese culture has tons of superstitions. Americans, we have number 13 as our bad luck number, most of us. For the Chinese, guess what, guess what our bad luck number is? Anyone know except Doug? I know Doug knows. Anyone else knows? Nope. It's the number that I'm wearing proudly. It's the number four. Yeah. I'm going to teach you how to count to four in Chinese this morning. You ready? Okay. Yat. Everybody say yat. Ni. Oh, no, no, no. It comes from here. Ni. So try that again. Ni. Okay. Psalm. Say. That's one, two, three, four. Say. Well, the word death in Chinese is, sounds like this. Say. So say and say sounds so similar that the Chinese, they refuse and they run away from the number four because it's such a bad luck number. It's like the plague for them. 
if you go to China and you jump on an elevator, there will be no number four for you to press. Yeah, seriously. Superstitions. Every culture has superstitions. Now, I can't make a strong case here, but perhaps, just maybe, maybe Jesus is saying to the woman that it's not this superstition about touching some piece of clothing that has healed you. You see, followers of Jesus Christ live by faith. Superstitions, that's our old life. Our new life is faith. Living by faith in Christ. And so that's my first observation. My second observation is this. Why does Jesus make such a big deal about finding out who touched him? My second observation. If you've missed everything else that I've said this morning, zero in on this. This is important. I hope you catch this. I have a hunch that Jesus actually knew who touched him. Yet Jesus still makes a big deal about it. Why? Perhaps Jesus wanted the woman to own up to it, to come out of hiding, to come out of the shadows. Perhaps Jesus wanted her to be brave and bold and courageous. Perhaps Jesus wanted her to no longer live in hiding, to no longer live in shame. Perhaps Jesus wanted to restore her dignity. You see, it's more than just a healing of her bleeding. It's also a restoring of her dignity. Jesus uses two very important phrases here. The first phrase is daughter. In the Greek, it's thugater. Thugater, daughter. And it's interesting to note that this is the only occurrence in the Gospels of Jesus addressing a woman with this word, thugater, daughter. And the second phrase that Jesus uses in his response to the woman is, go in peace. It is a traditional Jewish expression. It carries with it the idea of the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is a powerful word. Shalom means more than just peace. Shalom means wholeness and completeness and holistic well-being. Daughter and shalom. Daughter and shalom. And perhaps the heart behind Jesus' response to this woman is this. You are my daughter. You are adopted into my family. And part of your inheritance is shalom. So receive it. Receive the shalom of God. You are my daughter. You have been adopted into my family. And no one in my family is junk, is rubbish, is a mistake. No one in my family is a reject, is a nobody. No one in my family is impure, is contaminated, is dirty, is worthless, is unclean. You are my daughter. And you matter to me. You are a person of value and worth. You are beautiful and I love you. You are my daughter. 
So it's more than just a healing of her bleeding. It's also a restoring, a restoring of her dignity. And Jesus does this publicly. It's, uh, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, and you, you all, listen up. Yeah, you all, listen up. This is my daughter, and I am well pleased with her. She is a person of value and worth, and I love her. She's beautiful. This is my daughter, Jesus says. You see, it's more than just a healing of her bleeding. It's also a restoring of her dignity. And perhaps God is saying to you this morning, you are my son. You are my daughter. You matter to me. You are a person of value and worth. You are beautiful. You are loved. You are a son. You are a daughter. When I first accepted Jesus Christ in 1993, I I memorized two passages of Scripture right away. Psalm 23 and then Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, verses 13 and 18 apply here. Listen to what King David writes in Psalm 139. He writes this, For you formed my inward parts, You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. These verses, they tell me that everything about me, down to my very genetic structure, has been thought through by the living God. You see, God, creator of heaven and earth and sea and all that is in it, made each and every single one of you. You are one of a kind. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You are a masterpiece. You are uniquely made. You have beauty and worth and purpose. You see, it's it's more than just a healing of her bleeding. It's a restoring of her dignity. I'd like to end by showing you a video clip. Oh, you're excited. Have you watched The Greatest Showman? Yeah? Oh, that's what I'm going to show. By a show of hands, who else besides these kiddos have watched The Greatest Showman? No, only... Oh, my gosh. Okay, here's the plan. We're all going to skip the Super Bowl today. <laughs> or you just leave the kids with the uh, husbands. And we're... No, I'm serious. We're, we're, a few of us are going to meet at Olino after um, lunch. So... There's a showing, 12.40 p.m. at Olino Theater right here at Kamakana Ali'i. And so meet 
in front of the theater at 12 o'clock and let's miss the Super Bowl and let's watch The Greatest Showman. I'm serious. Like, we're going to go, right? Are we? we you serious, right? We still going? Okay. So we're going to be there. So come, meet, 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 meet us in the front of Olina. But here, here it is. Like, this is like, I think, one of my uh, greatest all-time movies. The movie follows P.T. Barnum, and he grows up poor. And so he tries hard to make something of his life. And he comes up with this idea, and he goes around town searching for weird individuals, people who get laughed at and ridiculed by society. And he recruits these people. And so he recruits this lady with this beard. What do they call her? The bearded lady. Yeah? And, then, and he recruits this dwarf. He's like, like two feet tall. Like he's an adult, but he's like two feet tall. He, recru- he recruits this, this dude that's like eight feet tall. He recruits... This man that's like super hairy, they call him dog boy, dog boy. And he recruits many others. And these recruits, these people that society laughs at, that society ridicules, they're like anyone else. And one of the deepest longings of their heart is love and acceptance and belonging. But the society of the day doesn't know what to make of them. And so they label them as freaks, as oddities. And in response, these freaks, these oddities, they gather the courage and they sing this anthem. Now I want you to pay close attention to the lyrics. I hope you enjoy this.
have you believe that you are junk, rubbish, trash, litter, waste. The enemy would have you believe that you are a mistake, a reject, a nobody, a freak, an oddity. The enemy would have you believe that you are impure, contaminated, imperfect, dirty, worthless, unclean. Don't buy into the lie. You are a child of God. You are a person of value. You are a person of worth. You are beautiful. You are smart. You are talented. You are kind. You are thoughtful. You are a good person. You have a good heart. And God loves you. God created you. And God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. You have a destiny. There is a reason you are alive. Your life is significant. You matter to God. Amen. Let us pray.